Hey everyone, welcome to episode 228 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. And for the second week in a row, we have a guest who is playing a lot more and a lot better magic than we have been. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Will Kruger, aka X Whale. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are uh, How are you guys today? Doing solid. I saw your I saw your tweet about uh, getting an X Whale NFT. Did that Did that yeah, return I... any results? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I learned. Uh, I'm not really like an NFT guy oh, yeah, or yeah. whatever, but like uh, I just thought it was I, I learned that. Yeah, I learned that there's just NFTs called X whales, and honestly, they look awful. Like they look so stupid. But like, so did all the ones that are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so I was like, Yo, you wanna hook up an X whale with an X whale? And then nobody responded to me. Unbelievable. <laughs> so that's okay though. I know it. it really, uh, there's no. I yeah. Yeah, they're missing such an opportunity for like synergistic <laughs> branding. They don't know how right the magic space is. <laughs> Apparently, you know, there was the whole thing with uh, limited resources and I guess constructed resources getting an NFT website sponsorship. Apparently, command the command cast also has an NFT or a crypto sponsorship now, which, you know, what whatever, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just pretty apathetic towards the whole thing, to be honest. But uh, that, whatever, that doesn't matter. There's a, there's a little bit of shout and Freud from the news today where one of the uh crypto sites just got hacked and got like 15 million dollars oh, of yeah. ethereum stolen from them i think i don't understand the point of crypto if like that can happen so yeah i mean i i'm not super knowledgeable about it at all so I'm... well you're not we didn't bring you on here I, to talk about i, yeah, wanted, I just wanted work. you to get your like free dollars if they were gonna give it to you that's of all. course, so did I. Of course. <laughs> like I, I thought i was gonna maybe get a whale picture that you know i own somehow i guess and nobody else can save ever and then one day <laughs> Once the the technology is there, you could make it your Moto avatar, and that everything would be yeah. complete. Dude, that'd be so sick. <laughs> but we did not get you on here to talk about crypto. We did get you on here to talk about modern, and specifically to talk about Hammer. We've seen yeah. you rack up a lot of results over the past couple of years, just Moto grinding all over the place. A lot of challenge results, PTQ results, and you did have success in the Manitrader series. While we were doing coverage of that, you had a couple of top eights and a win with Hammer. And I know that that's that's kind of your baby. You're kind of known for playing Hammer time. So yeah, I mean Hammer is definitely uh, my favorite deck right now. It's maybe my favorite deck ever. Like I I've had a couple decks that I've played like a lot. I, I'm kind of a one trick. Like I play like one deck for like six months a year or whatever, and then eventually I'll, I'll something gets banned or things change or whatever. Then I'll switch to something else. But uh, I've, I've been loving Hammer and I've been winning a good amount with it. A handful of, uh, no PTQ wins or anything, but a handful of top eights and challenge top eights. And then, uh, so there were, uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the, the Nerd Rage series mm-hmm. uh, here in the Midwest. Uh, they're cool. Play all their events. They're great. If you're in the Midwest area, you should play them. I, don't, I hope I can plug them. I hope that's okay. No, <laughs> they're, they're a great. Finally, series. we on the East Coast have to be jealous of a tournament series since we <laughs> yeah. don't really have access to one anymore. And, and y'all do. Yeah, they're uh, they're really nice. Um, but like, there were uh, three individual modern ones. I top aided two of those, one six two, and the other one, and then top aided the team one with hammer two. And like, like it, in real life, right now, it's insane because like so many people don't have that many reps, and like they'll practice either from like just like watching streams or YouTube videos and like kind of like understanding or whatever, which is which is which is totally reasonable. Like you know, it's like definitely the most efficient way. But like to play well against hammer with like any kind of interactive deck, like I think you. You just need reps or you just need to be like 
some Hall of Famer or whatever, or like way better than like the vast majority of Magic players are. Mm -hmm. And like people were just like leaving themselves dead on board against me. Like they're like, I had one guy go one, one with a uh, fire ice on my Esper Sentinel in my face that the point didn't matter to my face. And I played my face up shadow spear to let it live. And there were like multiple hammers on the stack that were targeting it too. So he just like ate 20 damage or whatever <laughs> for no reason. And it's like, I couldn't have won if he went to two to the Sentinel. It's just, and so it's just like a lot of, uh, it's a lot of that stuff. I think the deck is like it's so like it's insane how hard it is to play against. People should, if they don't know how to play against hammer, instead of, I'd recommend instead of playing a bunch against hammer, you should just play hammer for a little while, just figure out the interaction points. It, yeah, I, I agree completely. Like if if you just play hammer, like you play twenty matches with hammer or whatever, it's gonna it's gonna improve how you think about everything. And you know you, and you'll discover interaction points you wouldn't think about by right. playing yeah, the deck as opposed to playing against it. Mm -hmm. It's also super fun. I like the deck a lot. <laughs> I think the deck's a blast, obviously. I play it constantly and just uh, think it's super fun, super interesting. And, like, it's so rare I lose a game and I'm just like, nothing I could have done, man. I just, I just, like, and it's like, it's always like, if I played, like, one different land or if I timed this, like, a little, like, I, if I did this on their upkeep instead, like, I don't know. It's 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 something like that, you know, or if I just added Loris's turn instead of going for it or, I don't know. Well, I mean, it is one of those decks where most of your spells cost one mana and yes. you also have a companion and you have Urza Saga. So there's just infinite decision points in even pretty short games. Yep. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a lot going on for sure. You know, kind of the, the place that we, we talk about hammer a lot. A, a lot of our hammer content on this podcast is uh like reminding people that it is good on weeks where like, it's so good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's been a consistent theme of like, hammer is really good and then a couple weeks go by and then people are just kind of like down on hammer but not for like any particular reason that it's i just because another out. deck came out or resurged yeah yeah and people I, were like oh this deck's great and I'm, sometimes it is great but hammer's yeah. not ever been bad <laughs> right no i i don't think there's like I literally can't think of a weekend since Modern Horizons 2 released and between then and now that Hammer's been like, wow, why did you play Hammer? Yeah. Like, that's so stupid, bro. Like, I mean, it's, I don't think it's like maybe the best choice. Like I was thinking maybe for online events, there, there's so, there's so much four color blank. So I was, I was thinking of maybe something that like beats four color blank just cause like that, that kind of is like a week to week thing. Mm -hmm. But like, if you register Hammer at like every tournament you play in, especially if you're like not an online person and you just play in real life and you're like, you're like legit with Hammer, you got your reps, you kind of know what's up. Like you're you're just gonna clean up like I mean, and you know it's it's like good online like if you just play it in a Moto PTQ or whatever it's it's a good deck like it's, you're not throwing if you register hammer. I, I think the only time I actually I lied. So there was one time I was not <laughs> supposed to register hammer and it was for the Nerd Rage Championship, uh, but that was like a small 16 player event sure. and I was like a lot of different was, considerations uh, there. Yeah, and I just I, I was lazy and defaulted to the deck I owned and liked and yeah, yeah, and people had force of vigors or whatever and, and there were so many like literally like two of us played hammer and like there were eight people on like solitude ephemerate decks and it's uh, out of 16 that's like okay <laughs> yeah that's a lot that's tough uh, yeah but you know whatever that's that's like not a consideration for open tournaments well so let's let's talk about the metagame a little bit uh for mm -hmm. like people that haven't played hammer that much i think it's kind of useful to just give a a general overview of like the matchup profiles for it like i know that Basically, if you do know how to play Hammer and, and you're good at it, it's never going to be a bad choice for a weekend. But, like, this can help people understand, like, when is it an exceptionally good choice for a weekend? Like, what are the decks you really want to play against? And, and what are the decks that, you know, may, you know, you want to be on your B deck this weekend or something like that? 
the the decks that you like absolutely like you love to play against are like Burn and Murktide Regent decks, like the blue red Murktide Regent deck. Um, like basically all the decks that like rely really heavily on red removal. Like you can go over the top of red removal either with multiple hammers or you can make constructs that are bigger than their lightning bolts on holy heats. Always think about that too if you're like playing if you're like holding zeros or like maybe you can play out a hammer preemptively. You don't need to like if you can get it out of their bolt or heat range and need the construct to live. Like not giving them a window to like bolt or heat it is huge. With Sigarda's Aid and Pure Steel Paladin, they both line up really well into red removal because either you put the hammer in play before the Pure Steel, you play the Pure Steel, you equip to something else, and then they're in a binder where they need to have two red removal spells on the spot. And if they don't, then there's like a 12 12 in play and they can't, they need to deal with the 12 12. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Bolt is pretty bad at doing that. <laughs> um, the the worst matchups are the Solitude Ephemerate decks, like Elementals and Four Color Blank are, uh, they're, they're just really hard. Um, and they also both often come with like Force of Vigor in the sideboard, which is one of the, the best cards that people can play against you. And then I'm sort of pull up goldfish here just for like yeah yeah uh, you're good like just like reference uh, there's I guess. so many decks in modern I don't blame you there's <laughs> yeah I mean there's there's so many decks oh Yogmoth is really bad Yogmoth is is pretty hard to beat like if they put a Yogmoth in play and they just have other stuff and they can do they, their deck is really good at putting Yogmoth in play with some other random guys in like turn three and then you just never get to put a hammer on anything for the rest of the game but then like you know like Rhinos is fine. I guess Living End is kind of bad. Death Shadow is fine. Like I, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who think the Death Shadow matchup is like horrible or whatever. But like that's I, every when it, every. I feel like that's like Shadow's matchup profile is like any deck in Modern. Like there's somebody who thinks it's a terrible matchup for Shadow, and then there's some Shadow players like that's like a ninety percent matchup for me. So it's like you never know. Well, the trick with decks like Hammer or or Death Shadow is that you want your matchup profile to be like popular decks are kind of even. And then the unpopular decks where your bad matchups are, like Yawgmoth, for instance. That's not a popular yeah. deck, so it's no, fine. No, no, it's fine. Bad matchup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Death Shadow, I I find is not particularly good against Hardened Scales, but who cares? Like, who's playing Hardened yeah, Scales? Of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever. You tune to Hardened Scales, and all right, I mean, you got me, I guess. Like, um, but because everybody's got those like random one-off decks that could randomly beat you, that like there's probably like, two people in a room playing it or whatever. Right. So you just don't care about bad matchups like that unless they're super popular then you have to change things up uh but yeah basically like red removal spells very easy to beat solitude fatal push drowning the lock a little harder to beat like i don't, like, I don't think you're like favored against shadow or like it's like a slam dunk or anything but like i, don't, I think you're maybe like 45 percent or something like that a slight dog or whatever and also if they mess up once and like they just die a lot of the time mm-hmm. is my experience and like also if you just like have s percent on turn one it's like <laughs> it, it's it's so stupid like on the play planes that's for sentinel it's like what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah i mean what are you gonna do? You just gotta like fatal push this one drop and let me draw a card or or whatever yeah and that's that's a tough spot for shadow to be in that's not what they want to be doing no 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 so hammer does play out it has the threat of the super quick like i have a cigar to Zade hammer on my creature like i can ink moth nexus you like i can get that kill as early as you know turn turn i guess there's a hypothetical turn two with the deck but realistically you're turning it like turn three yeah and uh, i i mean from what i have seen most of the time similarly to other very aggressive decks with powerful combinations of cards very early the threat of that is more dangerous than you know the threat of it is more relevant to games generally than actually doing it and so you've got the the sort of sword hanging over people's heads of i could hammer this uh, Ink Moth Nexus or whatever and kill you your plays have to play around that and then Hammer does a really good job of playing a pretty like grindy game where you get an advantage until you like break and o- make an opening and, and go for it I, is that like a fair read on how the deck plays out? 
Oh, completely. Like, a super common play pattern is, like, either I, I have it or I don't have it or whatever. Like, whether I have a kill rolled up or I don't, doesn't matter. Uh, they pass with, like, say a Grixis deck passes with three mana up and, like, five or six cards in hand or something like that, right? I just look at my hand. I just add Luris and I just say go. There's nothing. They just can't do anything. They can't use their mana at all. They untap, and I'm threatening to go for Luris, rebuy something. They, they can never add their Luris until they win a fight. And you can use your Luris to win any fight, basically. Like, because if they discarded your Sigarda's aid, uh, you can play Luris, get back to Sigarda's aid. And you can, like, you have to be conscious of, like, Drown and stuff. Because Drown is their easiest way to, to interact with it on the stack. It's the only way to interact with it on the stack. They have, like, Dress Down, too. So, like, it, it's not, like, perfect. But, like, against, like, a lot of interactive decks, like, if they just pass with mana up, just add your Luris. And it's, like, a huge deal there. Uh, and you get, like, a lot of equity from people just, like, if you don't, you could just not have it rolled up, right? But, like, mm -hmm. they need to, they usually need to or maybe they think they need to or whatever respect the possibility of you putting a hammer on something because they could just lose the cheapness of the basic combo is so important to that even if you have yeah, nothing in play possibly. but some creatures like you may have been sandbacking a sagarda's aid and then it only costs two mana to give a creature plus 10 plus 10 so that yes. is something that you always need to consider even if you just have a Saga on two or an Inkmoth Nexus, the Saga is representing Ginger Brute, which can just 11 you, <laughs> you can't block it. And then the Inkmoth Nexus is obviously representing uh, 11 Poison in the air. So so this is fast forwarding a little bit along my like list of questions, because I do have a section on like individual card choices. But where are you yeah. on the uh, Ginger Brute in the 60 debate or discussion? Uh, you should definitely play Ginger Brute, I think. I, I was off it for a little while, but that's just because, like, I don't know. I, I was just wrong. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But I was like, oh, man, I'm drawing this. And, like, oh, it's another thing that gets Rend. I I, I'm, I get so upset when any time Rend and Six pings a creature that isn't Esper Sentinel and they had to either pay three, four to give me a card. Like, if they, like, if I ever get anything Rend in any capacity, in any format or whatever, I'm, I'm just so upset. Like, I played a Champion of the Parish, and I, I lost my mind. I was like, oh my <laughs> Never, God, Never registering this? humans again in this format. I'm, never, never, ever. That was, that was like a year ago or whatever. But, uh, and I was like, it's another thing that gets Rend, and like, I, I don't know if it's that valuable. I'm not searching for it that much. But uh, one, I do think it is, it is actually that valuable because it adds a whole new angle there with like just being able to uh, kill somebody from from no resources, basically. You could also just draw the one ginger brute. Not no resources, but like nothing in play, right? They, they could just die. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could have no man on their end of turn. Because otherwise, you know you are safe. If there's no Ink Moth Nexus and no creatures in play, you know you're not dying on, on their next turn. Right. And it's, it's not like a... People are pretty rarely going to play around ginger brute, hammer, cigar's aid, or pure steel or whatever. Sure. Like, but sure. it's still like... You could just draw the one ginger brute and like that's... It's not, it's not that bad to draw. And like random cheap artifacts and for... And artifacts matter because of um, Pure Steel Paladin. Mm -hmm. And, like, random. And where's the hammer? Well, even if you draw it naturally, so it's not, like, a horrible thing to draw and you search for it a lot. And then it also means that with your one plating, you can, like, somewhat reliably set up, like, this, like, weird thing where it's, like, just seven unblockable. And it's, like, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, when the games, like, kind of drag out and it's stalled or they, they fight over your equippers or whatever, uh, you can use Stoneforge Mystic to find the plating or you draw the plating and it's, like, that's like pretty. That's like pretty, uh, pretty potent thing to do. And like, I don't know, but yeah, I think you should definitely play Ginger Brute. I think. Okay, cool, good, good to know for sure. I guess you know since we're just kind of like talking about card choices and and builds, like we may as well just sort of go go with that topic from here. I've seen basically every single color combination for this deck in some top eight somewhere. Uh, I mean, most common are, you know, a straight mono white build or white black has 
become one of the default ways with some thought seizes in, in the main or the sideboard. But, you know, there's also a spell pierce build. And I, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of the different color choices and options for disruption in the deck? Uh, so my, fa- my, my, I guess my favorite or the one that I generally default to is, is black, white with thought seeds. Um, the thing that, uh, just trying to keep it kind of short, I guess, is that, oh, don't, don't bother. Is... It's fine. You can, you can, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, thought seeds is like, uh, basically the best card. I always say it's the best card against the best cards against you, which are force of vigor and solitude. Okay. And that, that is really uh, attractive to me is like having just easy counterplay. I don't think that that has a spot in the main deck, really. I mean, it can if you expect like a lot of four-color blinker or whatever. It's like maybe if I want to keep playing Hammer online, I should add Thoughtseize to my main deck or something, just like as kind of like a metagame choice or whatever. But I think generally in an open field, the way that you're killing people is with spells in their hand. Like you're, you're messing with their mana, you're not letting them use their mana right, and then you pick the right spot like after they tapped out or tap low or, or anything like that. Then they die with the cards in their hand or... Mm-hmm. Something like that. And Thoughtseize doesn't play super well into that. It, it can allow you to, like, uh, find the right turn. And, like, it, it, it's fine. It's just, like, I, I generally, like, I don't think that it plays exactly how I I generally think that you should be playing the deck game one. But the problem with that is that people have reacted to Hammer with Solitude and Force of Vigor. I don't even know if you kind of call it a, re- a reaction still because it's just been present since, like, <laughs> August or whatever. Numbers, but, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was, like, six weeks or maybe, maybe like three weeks or whatever where like nobody played solitude i don't know why <laughs> but like nobody played solitude it was like all like red black blurist decks and stuff um as more and... had, a, had a period that sort of thing yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and that was sick sort of the reaction and then you know blue white i, I don't want to say the blue white control that came out because blue white's been around forever but like you know the the original build i think was like wako tapas build it had like a bunch of chalices for solitude for spreading season it was like this and like charm and stuff like this is like he built it to beat Hammer, and, like, you know, that's obviously sort of how meta game, new meta games evolve. Like, there's... People just kind of do stuff, and then a control deck, like, once something sort of becomes defined, then a control deck can sort of form, and, like... So then bl- there was Blue-White, and then there was the Elementals deck, and people were like, oh, Solitude's really good against Hammer, so, like, Solitude decks have, like, a ton of equity there, and it's not bad elsewhere or whatever. Like, it's fine against anybody playing creatures, which is most of the format. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The The format is surprisingly creature-based. You know, if yeah. you're catching up on Modern and haven't been playing since MH2, uh, these boards, I guess the boards don't necessarily have a lot of creatures because the creatures end the game so quickly that, like, everybody's playing a ton of removal spells, but a lot of cards trading for creatures in this format. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess, uh, so that's why I like Black-White. Uh Mono white is uh, it's like the best against Blood Moon. It's like if you think Blood Moon is a is a thing, or if you don't think Solitude and Force of Vigor are super problematic, then you could play Mono White. Defense Grid is also a card you can play in Mono White if you want to combat those cards. Mm-hmm. It's still not like great. It's like three mana Force of Vigor is still actually yeah. really good, right. uh, <laughs> especially if you spend turn two not doing anything that impacts the board. That means it's more likely that they will be able to set up a Force of Vigor or whatever. Sure. And, like, they can also do Force of Vigor, kill your defense grid, kill your other thing, and then also play Solitude this turn now that they killed your defense grid. And it's like, okay. Right. Or, um, and, and and then if they have four mana, they can even Solitude Ephemerate that turn. Like, it's just like... Yeah, yeah. We're done here. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, Grid is fine if you're going to play Mono White. Grid also has applications against, like, Murktide and Burn and stuff. It's good against Burn because of Deflecting Palm. Deflecting Palm is kind of hard to beat sometimes. And it's also good against other normal draws. Yeah, we were talking with Connor last week, and, and he mentioned that bringing in Thoughtseize against Burn was part of the plan and uh, for Deflecting Palm specifically, which is... Yeah, yeah. I I know it's, like, this crazy, like, counterintuitive thing, and, like, it... I don't know. Maybe it's wrong. I've, I've done it several times, and, like, 
maybe it's it, it could very well be wrong. Like I, I don't know for sure, but like uh, the games play out like so weirdly, like where they can't really use their mana super efficiently, uh, and so like there's not a ton of pressure. There's like some pressure on you, but like it's kind of just like trading stuff, and then so you're saying they can't use their mana efficiently because they always have to be holding up answers to your your yeah. They have to have they have to like have palm up, so it's like kind of hard for them to do. They have to have like they can't do. I don't know. It's kind of hard for them to actually put a ton of pressure on you, which means that there's usually a window where you can break up their uh, their palm, or you can set up your your shadow spear or whatever to keep, to keep it safe from a smash smithereens. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you know one shadow spear hit is like very free. Like, I don't think I've ever lost against burn if I connected with shadow spear. Or, like, yeah, with, I don't think on, anyone on, like has. any. Yeah, I mean it, it, <laughs> it's so. I mean, any lifelink creature you're connecting against burn is just like okay. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, because like, like, that's obviously like a nightmare for them. I've had games where it's just like. Yeah, if I connect with this Lurus one time, there's just no way that they can possibly kill me. And it's it, it like the margins are yeah. so thin. Yeah, I mean, like literally one life link hit. It's like, well, I didn't have it last turn, and not much has changed. You just gained three life, and so now I have to spend a burst on this Lurus. And it's like, yeah, so like I, I usually bring like two thoughtsies, and I know it's like it's crazy, and like, but I think it's probably correct. I, I just I and I haven't played this matchup at all, but I like just kind of walking through how it must play out. I don't really know how you beat like a draw that includes deflecting palm. Otherwise, unless you're doing like small hits and, and get a, yeah, get a get, shadow you, spear you, you, in. You can, you, you can. Yeah. But there's like a whole aspect of your game plan that you like don't have access to anymore potentially. And that, that seems like that seems really tough. Yeah. And sometimes you are supposed to go in and sometimes you're supposed, sometimes you actually can play around it, but like, I don't think it's frequent enough. Cause like I've seen a lot of burn lists that just have three. It's like, if they're mulliganing like mm-hmm. medium sevens that don't have palm, yeah, they're fi- they're gonna have palm like pretty often. Favorite like, to I, have I don't it, know. Yeah. And, and it's so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just like a lunatic for bringing in thoughtsies against burn, which like is obviously it's like horrible against burn in like almost every context. But I think this might be one where it's correct. But whatever. Um, I mean, I could see there's, I could oh. see that plan not being what you want if you feel like you can consistently do the shadow spear thing. But I don't know how you know that's that's kind of tough to pull off too yeah yeah uh it's yeah it, it is tough for sure but yeah anyways that's, that's like kind of black white i guess um and then there's there's green white uh which has ancient stirrings mm-hmm. uh and ancient stirrings is, yeah 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 some people have veil too yeah uh and, and ancient stirrings is okay it's it's cool because like it uh it makes sense like in theory because I play, like, 23 lands in Hammer, which is, like, kind of a lot. Like, that's, like, way more than you would expect, and a lot of people play 21 or 22. But uh, I find myself using my mana, like, really efficiently. Like, I've... Uh, not, maybe not efficiently, but like, just, like, a lot. Like, I want to use all my mana every single turn. Like, I want to add Lurus. I want to do Pure Steel plus something. I need a bunch of white sources. Um, well, and eight of your lands are Inkmoth Nexus and Urza Saga, so... Yeah. Well, I actually play three yeah, Nexus, too. Usually only play three but, yeah. Sure, sure. But, yeah. Uh, like, a lot of colorless lands, too. And you need white-white, and usually... Sometimes you even need triple or quadruple white to do pure steel, get a counter, play core outfit, or, or vice versa, or two pure steels, or mm-hmm. Luris, rebuy pure steel, or something like that. And so, Stirrings lets you play less lands is, like, pretty appealing. Like, you can play 21 lands in green-white and then four Stirrings, and, like, that. that's, like, pretty reasonable, I think. The issue with it is I, I don't it this might be like a fake reason I don't, I don't know it's like kind of hard I don't know but it's uh it's like when you see an opening hand of ancient stirrings it's like the only thing that it is reliably going to be is like 
pretty likely to hit like a random body if you need a, a body. Like you can probably hit Memnite, Ornithopter, or Esper Sentinel, or or something like that. You can't hit Esper Sentinel with Ancient Stirrings. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's taking artifacts. But yeah, it's it's like just like the the eight the eight zeros and stuff. Um, and then there's um, and then a mana source. It's it's very reliably going to be a mana source. But it's like if you keep a hand that's like, well, if this Ancient Stirrings hits a hammer, we're good to go. But it's I, I haven't done the math. I have no idea what the numbers are. But it's not particular like five looks at a four outer is, is a good amount. Like it's not bad or anything like that. But it's like you don't like it can like kind of dumpster your keeps, I guess, uh, um, which is like kind of awkward. And then also like I was talking about spending all my mana every turn. It's kind of weird to like actually have a cantrip. It's hard to yeah. ca- cast a cantrip in their in their early game or whatever. Although you can. Uh, at, and I don't I don't think there's like no merit to it or whatever. But th- that's kind of my been my experience with stirrings. I'm not sure if that. Logic actually makes a ton of sense or not. I think it does, so, but it's kind of hard. But I'll, I'll tell you how I view it, having not played any games with the green version. Uh, maybe you can like fact check me or whatever. But I, I think Age Strings is only a good card when you top deck it later in the game, and that's not something. Yeah. That's not like a situation you want to be in with Hammer. It doesn't add a, a a good dimension to your deck for that to happen. Yeah, that's definitely like part of it, but it's also not even. Like that good a top deck in the late game, like it's well. That's it's I'm just saying like that's like the only saga. time you yeah. want to draw it, and it's not. Yeah, even and it's good. like not even. Yeah, so yeah, I I basically agree, and it's like uh, so that that's why I don't think Stirrings is is really right. I mean, Veil's okay, but like I don't think it's like like it's not even super obvious to me that it's like better than Sanctifier on Vec. It probably is, given that they all have like dress down and explosives and stuff and like Grixis and whatnot. But it's like not that much better. Where like. And if so, if Ancient Stirrings is bad, you don't want to play it, which maybe it's not, maybe I'm wrong. But, like, if, if you establish that, then, like, do you want to splash green for Veil over Sanctifier? Like, is, is Veil that much better than Sanctifier? I don't partic- I don't really think so. Like, Veil's, because Sanctifier is really good against all those decks still, and obviously Veil is as well. How does Veil and Sanctifier have the same slot? Uh, well, they're basically, they're for, like, the Kolagons Command, Terminate, Lightning Bolt, DRC, Ragavan decks. And then uh, one thing that, that Sanctifier does that Veil doesn't is uh, the way you lose is when they kind of tempo you out. Like, I know a lot of people put out Ragavan uh, against Hammer, and you probably should when you're on the draw, cause it's just it's, like, not reasonable to get it to work. Right. But, like, the way that you actually beat Hammer is you actually have to apply pressure because, like, you can't sit there forever because normally the Hammer player will be able to find a spot to, to... They'll be able to pick their spot and they'll be able to actually beat you if you just never do anything. And so, like... Uh, Sanctifier kind of shuts down DRC. It makes it harder to get Delirium, certainly. And then it, it means Ragavan can't attack, obviously. And then it also makes it harder to, like, cast Murktide Regent and, and all that stuff. And so, like, Sanctifier also has, like, that. Um, and so I, I sort of think of those as similar cards. Sure. I think that's... Yeah. Sanctifier also just has the, like, whoops, I accidentally won this game by casting a Sanctifier Envic. And, uh, yeah, you know... Yeah. But it might just die. Yeah. V- veil is really good, but it never locks anybody out of a game so yeah i mean veil is still like it it, it can like i mean when that card has its moments man holy yeah, for sure yeah i mean it's it's so much when, when you uh, counter like a two mana removal spell with it it's just like no i think i just ended the yeah. game right here yeah it's also notably not uh helpful against like force figure and solitude not that sanctifier is either but it's like another like okay it's not helping that problem well so, so i think the where that comes in is that when you're playing green, then you're not playing a disruption color, and Veil is, like, the closest thing you have to disruption, but it's not stopping these things that are specifically good against you that a card like Thoughtseize could do. So you're, like, yeah. losing that ability to interact with those in a way that is not you getting blown out, uh, so. Right. And then the blue builds, 
I, you know, I've seen like uh, eyelashes, uh, spell pierce build. I don't know what your feelings are on spell pierce, and then also I don't know what your feelings are on the non-Luris versions of the deck, the various non-Luris builds. I know that this is a. I'm seeing your expression. I know this is a a very. Uh, like, I don't want you to open yourself up to controversy here, but let's let's tackle let's tackle the blue builds first so we can give well Luris but the thing well. is like a lot the blue builds very often yeah, have very a sword often in them or whatever yeah so like i've seen uh some of the blue builds I, i've seen some crazy ones like there was one that won a challenge that had like like three brenton force tender main deck and like another yes. I think it's sanctifier main deck too and it's like bro like <laughs> who hurt you man and when he won the challenge and like his final point was like mono red prowess so like Clearly, like, I mean, the like, dream. obviously, yeah, imagine being in the finals of a challenge with this mono red deck, or finals of any tournament, and then some guy rolls up with, with five pro red creatures in his main deck. can't, can't imagine playing the finals of a tournament on my prowess deck, and my opponent goes, all right, here's my turn one forge tender. I'd be like, yeah, just on the play, planes forge tender. Like, game one. Like, uh... And then I'd be like, all right, this is a bullet target, and then they play another one on turn two. You're like, okay, this yeah. is... <laughs> or sanctifier or whatever it's like this is like a meme dude like <laughs> and you just look at your list and you're like it's 2022 i don't even have kozilex return in my sideboard anymore like i can't beat these cards. yeah yeah it's like wow i am uh <laughs> yeah so i feel bad for the the prowess player that lost to to the yeah so i don't really i'm not even gonna really talk about the pro red build so much that was, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I mean, okay I, I didn't see anything from the player too much but like i think that was like a one weekend thing maybe and i don't know Whatever. Listen, uh, just somebody is tired yeah, of getting card. furied out of the game, and that was yeah, the clearly. To it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, blue blue has like a lot of appealing options. It has like spell pierce. Uh, if Lurus were to get banned, to fairy time raveler is kind of attractive because if it's in play, you can do whatever you want. Like that's kind of cool. I haven't sketched anything out with that, but that's just like a thought. Invisible stalker also is maybe good in some matchups. Some people have dress down though, which is like really annoying. Obviously. You could also, even if you don't want to play Spellpierce, you could play like Metallic Rebuke or something. Like there, there's like a, a bunch of various pretty pretty good blue options. Uh, the, the biggest issue is that a blue white Horizon canopy does not exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been my uh, my problem building the blue the the blue builds, I guess. I think you you really do want to play four or like five of those effects if you're playing 22 or 23 lands. I think that's like a I think that's actually like really important. And you can still play them in blue. It's just it's hard to get all your sources play all your ink moth nexuses play all your sagas and have everything kind of line up um like you can you can do it and it's like but it's not as reliable as i would like like the, the springleaf drums don't pull as much like springleaf drums count uh for sure but like your numbers are know, worse than the other color yeah it's so it's yeah. so easy in, in black white like it's it's so easy with four sign clearing or if you don't play red white with magnetic theft somebody can't like it, it it all it's very easy and like yeah, this is you know maybe whenever I thought I thought they were gonna finish that cycle in Horizons too, but they just didn't. I guess this is maybe. literally the one like for them time. white color combination that doesn't have one. That's really funny that Horizons. It's the only one. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, that that's been my problem with with the blue builds. Even though some of the spells that you can play are attractive, I don't I don't think there's like no merit to it. I haven't played it enough to really have a super strong opinion. But like looking at it, I'm like. I don't know. Maybe you're just supposed to like play four Seacrum Coast and no Horizon Canopies or whatever. Maybe the blue cards are that good. Uh, I'm not sure. I probably need to like try it more or something. But yeah. And then I guess there's there's red white. Oh, I guess I can talk about the Lurisless builds. Uh, I, I, <laughs> well, I guess. we could talk about but, but, about magnetic theft for a second first, if if, if you wanted to. Yeah. So there, there's magnetic theft. Magnetic, magnetic theft is fine. It's not 
that much better than like Corruptor or whatever. Sure. Uh, and like it means that you are playing red, you're playing a red card, comes with liabilities when you're playing seven colorless lands, blah, blah, blah. There isn't a ton else appealing in red. I see people put Ragavan in this deck. I'm sure Ragavan is like fine. It, it's it's nothing special, I guess. Like it, it's good. It's good on turn one on the play for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like it is against everybody. Their cards are so bad in your deck though when you're playing Hammer. Like you flipping a card on their deck, it's not like that's true. Uh, yeah. It's not like black black it, red flipping it, a card where just like anything. Like here's a a creature. Great. Yeah. Uh, Ruble spell. Great. It's like. It better be a Mishra's Wobbler. I do not care about this card. Basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like a, a cantrip of some kind is pretty good. And the, man, the mana can be useful for sure, but it's like, I don't know. And, and like, circling back to the, I, I literally, I tilt off the face of the planet when any creature gets rend ever, like, which, you know, obviously isn't uh, a, a downside on Ragavan on, on the whole, but it's something to consider, I suppose, if you're considering putting it in Hammer where it's maybe not at its best uh, as it, because it often is, much better when it's surrounded by removal spells so you can stop them from blocking and blah 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 uh so like red is fine i guess but i, I think ultimately like the best builds are like black white and mono white basically now, and that's i did all of them rounded blue green and red yeah you got them all okay. uh the cool. to like complete side note the trick with ragavan versus ren and six is to draw ragavan and another one drop so you can play the other one drop get it shot by the ren and six and then dash in your ragavan. dash the ragavan yeah if that if that works out then yeah you know it has you know it can work out favorably for sure ideally the one drop is an esper sentinel so you draw a card off of the exchange and move on with your life that's great like i you can talk me into turn one esper sentinel on on the draw they turn to ren you draw a card then you dash your ragavan you spent no cards to deal with their ren it got them basically no cards because esper sentinel drew a card right went back to your hand like that's that's you don't get the trigger though but that's fine but you know this is not really here neither here nor there yeah no it's just something yeah so Luris list builds. I think that, yeah. unfortunately, the people are going to want to hear your your take on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you can play not Luris, right? Uh, I think that is. Uh, it, I think you're just throwing. Like, I get the Nettlesis is really strong and it makes your Stoneforge mistakes a lot better. And the swords are fine. The swords are fine. The swords are not the main attraction to me, but you should probably play like one of like a different kind of sword or whatever if you are not playing Luris already for Nettlesis. Nettlesis, in my mind, is like huge draw because like it means that you're random guys and stoneforge mystic like nelsis is it's like yeah it is that much better than cranial plating yeah. like anybody who's wondering like is it meaningfully yes coming with a body and giving the, the toughness as well is is insane like i know it costs extra mana but it's it's so ridiculous a seven seven mem knight is a lot better than a seven one mem knight it's a gigantic yes. difference yes and and every creature that you draw is going to be gigantic for not gigantic but like you know plus three or four like for the rest of the game and games where it like they can't use and it plays out better because like they can't use their mana well because we were talking about like how they have to respect you could just do this and then you're like okay go end of turn you still fortunate to like, put in nettle cyst you didn't get to use your mana on that turn to kill it so now you have to use your mana here to kill it and also i'm threatening combos like you really want to do that because you could just die if you try to fight over it and if you do fight over it and i don't combo you then i get to move it somewhere else it's like that plays out like really well for you mm -hmm. uh and so that's why i'm like well if they were to ban loris which i think is the most likely card from this deck that they would ban that or saga uh, I'm I'm just chilling. Uh, I don't own a Nettlesis yet for the you know uh, thing for the you know eventuality because I can't imagine that we're just doing Luris forever now. It's like a dollar. Are, I, I think know. you'll be covered. Yeah, you'll <laughs> rares rares from MH2 our mythics have eaten up so much of the uh, value of the set that just like sure yeah every rare that's yeah, not Urza Saga is like a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I think I paid like. Fifteen dollars for my for Sentinels. Uh, oh, I guess Sentinels. It's, Sent yeah, it's, yeah. That one is. It's all their turns in Commander, uh, so it's like, yeah, uh, it's 
I don't know. That, that's how it was explained to me, is that it's very good in Commander. But, uh, Any white card that draws cards is going to have a price tag. If it's half <laughs> sure, yeah. totally playable, because <laughs> yeah. of Commander. Totally believe that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I was talking about with Luris, where it's like, it's so common, like, literally every game against an interactive deck, like, they just pass a mana up, because they have to, mm-hmm. and then you just add Luris, and then they just do nothing. They just, they just untap and draw. They just don't get to use their mana. It's, like, insane for you. And I can't imagine that it's correct to give up that every single game just so the games where you don't have an equipper, your Stone Forge Mystics are a good amount better. And like I said, I, like, Metal Cyst is really good. I get it. But, I mean, Luris is so broken. It's yeah. insane. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I so, completely agree. Like, I, I get the appeal of a lot of the, the non-Luris builds. Like, I actually have mm-hmm. been impressed with Culture Complete in games I've seen it. Where you sure. have an extra Stoneforge threat, and it's got like that ginger brute effect where it gives haste. Uh, so pure steel paladin becomes like even more better. But oh yeah, you can you can pure steel culture. I didn't even yeah think yeah about that, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but like you you stack all these cards up against Luris, and it's like that's still Luris. Short. I get the <laughs> start Luris. with this Luris. every game. Every game, no matter what happens, you have Luris. As long as you get three lander up, you have Luris, and like Luris is like. It's like part of how I'm planning to play the game. It's part. It's part of how I'm pl- I'm building my deck around Luris. Like, and maybe I'm, maybe like the payoff is huge, and the payoff is huge, and I don't know. It's just it's crazy to me not play Luris. Like, it's 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 so bizarre. Possibly the best creature of all time, and oh, I, I no question. Yeah, I don't think it should be in a discussion of like, is this card worth it? Is is it really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, oh god, I, and I get like Nelsus is like kind of like a. Like a meme, it's like, especially if you are like out of magic or whatever, you're like, you think Nettlesis is actually better than Luris? I mean, Nettlesis is really good. Like, I yeah. swear, like, it's that good. Like, it is good, but it's... Luris is also, <laughs> also very, very good. Uh, and so now I, I don't, yeah, I think it's just, just crazy. All right. Noted. And, uh, I appreciate you not waffling and just like giving the opinion. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah. Yeah, that's just uh, I don't know. That's where I'm at on it. And, yeah, way, you know, maybe... way, to, way to have uh, the the stance that Luris is great. Way to go, <laughs> putting yourself it's out a really there. controversial. So like these companion cards. Hey, maybe we should put them in our decks. Just or just or in our sideboards. Just uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we should start with an eighth card every game or whatever. Well, uh, you know, you've always got the option of playing eighty card hammer with Yorion in it. Like the, you know, if you want to go that route. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're joking, but I did. I, I did uh, play a league with that on stream. Yeah. But four and one, it was sick. <laughs> I it, it, did you know if you cast Yorion and like you you have an Aiden play and you targeted something and they blew up your guy, you get to blink the hammer. Yeah, and, and it comes go back. again. Yeah, it's gas. Wow, cool. Good <laughs> stuff. You get to blink Core Outfitter. You get to blink Thraven Inspector. There's all of these. No, don't do it. It's really bad. yeah. It works really funny. similarly with Luris too, where if they kill Claus's hammer, you can also you know from the graveyard. <laughs> Yeah. You can do it with the three mana one uh, that doesn't make you play 80 cards in your combo deck that is already bottlenecked on, like, number of good equippers. Uh, <laughs> and and has, like, huge gaps between the value of each card in each situation, so you really want to, like, maximize your chance of drawing Cigar to Zade when Cigar to Zade yep. is good, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, don't... Please nobody take my comment on your <laughs> Hammer with any seriousness. It, it's really bad. It's just it was funny. I don't know. If you want to have some fun, go do it. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny league deck or something, but yeah, it's def- like definitely worse than it, it's probably worse than the Nettlesis builds to be honest. But it's yeah. definitely worse than the Loris. It's, it's definitely worse than the Nettlesis builds. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, really, it's really bad. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but think of how many Nettlesis you could play on a Yorian deck. 
That's true. <laughs> you could put you could probably put a second one in there. <laughs> in case the first one gets blown up, you know. Yeah. Like, we didn't put four in, in there. It's only a three drop. That's true. You could, yeah. yeah. You know, four nettles. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, makes your living weapon weapons better because if they ever yeah. if they kill the yeah. germ, you get to blink, blink your cauldron complete, blink your nettle cyst, get it get the creature back. Big brain. Big brain. Yeah. So outside of you know, each of those uh, potential builds, there are a couple, and and I emphasize just a couple, there aren't many flex slots in the hammer deck, but there's like about two. Uh, and so, you know, you've been talking about core outfitter. I know that that is a, a kind of recent, like has become more and more popular, but you know, what are kind of the options there? And I, I may be wrong. There may be some other number than two flex slots, but uh, you know, what are the options there? What have you liked and what are the reasons to choose each of them? If you're building like just like a normal like black white hammer deck or whatever, there's like a few different options. Uh, I was on Giver of Runes for a while. Giver of Runes is fine, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's like Ingenious Smith, Dark Confidant, Core Outfitter, and like the Ancient Stirrings that we mentioned earlier. And then am I, miss am I missing Steel one? Steel Shaper's Gift. Yeah, you can play Steel Shaper's Gift too. Like there's a bunch of like random like bad cards that you can sort of fill out with. So I, I was playing like some number of Steel Shaper's Gift and Giver of Runes for I don't know however long. Like for a few months, honestly, and I'm pretty bad like at building like decks and like and all that stuff. Um, but then eventually, uh, so I was just doing that for a while. It was fine. And then uh, I think Jacob uh, Negro uh, posted a uh, hammer deck list on Twitter that he played in I think Vegas, uh, and he's he's very smart and put much more thought into the deck than I did. <laughs> uh, and he put the ginger, the ginger brute and the core outfitters in, uh, and that's when I started playing them. And they were good, for sure. I was Initially, I had dismissed Core Outfitter. I knew it existed, but I was like, I think this play is too bad into removal. Like, it's, it's really awkward. But then, like, it actually, it lines up pretty well, actually, because, like, if you have a Cigarda's Aid, if you don't have a Cigarda's Aid, it's, it's fine. It's, like, it's kind of bad, but it's, it's fine. If you have Cigarda's Aid, you go for it, they kill your guy post-combat, you equip it something else. Like, that's, that's like, a play that happens pretty frequently, mm -hmm. even and it helps, like, against Solitude and stuff there. Um, even though sometimes, maybe, if you're boarding, if you have Torpor Orbs, you're boarding in two drops, like Torpor Orb, that also, that or both raising your curve and shut off Corruptor, then maybe you can consider trimming them against Solitude, but whatever. But yeah, I think Corruptor, especially because like the easiest way that you just lose is like you just don't draw an equipper, you mulligan a seven without an equipper or whatever. Right. And so Corruptor has helped that a lot. Uh, Giver of Runes is fine. Like if you want to play Giver of Runes, it's not like a horrible decision or whatever. Uh, but like Steel Shaper's Gift is like you're not bottlenecked on hammer that often. You have Force Saga, Force Stone, Force Mystic, Force Hammer, uh, and like Luris rebuying Hammer if they discard it, counter it, whatever. Uh, but you only have four pure steel, four cigars eight, and those those are the actually good equipers. Core Outfitter is still kind of bad. It's fine, but like it it does the thing that you that you need to do for your deck to actually work, and so it sort of uh, decreases like the fail rate, I guess, if that makes uh makes sense. So I think Core Outfitter is probably the best of uh, the bunch. Also, Ingenious Method is like really bad, um, <laughs> like really really bad. You can build your deck around it. And you can add Bauble and like Portable Hole as your removal spell. If you do like that, then Ingenious Method gets a little better because you have actually good artifacts to hit. But in like a normal build, like the only good artifact to hit is, is hammer. Every other artifact, like do you want to hit an Esper Sentinel off Ingenious Smith? No, like, we, kind of. We were supposed to cast that last turn though, not. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to hit like Springleaf Drum, Memnite, Ornithopter? Like, not really, right? Like that's like fine. And the threat is like okay, and like there is some value in a threat that makes them use their mana, so then you get to do your thing. Like that's because that that is. Um, that's cool there. And it's like another thing that could randomly just get rend. Uh, you could play zero <laughs> with it. Um, but yeah, that's like another partial consideration, I suppose. But yeah, I, I don't think it's genius. But maybe if, you, if you're going to play against like red, black, like mid range or in like Grixis and stuff like all day, then you should 
probably play Ingenious Smith, I guess, but like. I don't even I, know if I it's cut then, to be honest. Yeah, it's not obviously. Like you'd you'd have to work right your now. deck, and I don't even think I'd make your deck better against Red Black, you know? Yeah, not really. It's like, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think Ingenious Smith is very good. Giver Runes is fine. Sue Shaper's Gift is fine. But like I said, it's like, why would you play an extra bad version of equipment of equipment when you could play an extra bad version of Equipper, which you have less of, like you want more equipment, less Equippers, or do you want to make it more even out? I think yeah. evening, evening it out makes more sense, even though it is better to have redundant Hammers than it is to have redundant Equippers. Uh, but you do want redundant Equippers sometimes when they're like fighting over them with discard spells, counter spells, prismatic ending on your Sigarda's Aid, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, like, another, like another copy is dead that often or anything like that. But yeah, that's... Yeah, and having the A and the B is just so important. Having the first A and the first B is so important. So Yeah, and then you get the second one with Luris every game as long as you don't play Nettlesis in your deck. Yeah. Then you get to... Big brain, play Luris. Yeah, huge, huge, huge cosmic brain. Uh, <laughs> play, play the most broken... Like, literally ever. Like, how did they... How? Like... <laughs> I ask myself that question every day. I wake up, brush my teeth... <laughs> Why did they pray? I, 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 I have a little same. Honestly, little like, little picture of the the Luris kitten like taped to the corner of my mirror yeah. just to remind me. Like, oh yeah, get nice and incensed in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, I Luris is crazy. <laughs> I, I know that's not like a yeah nothing groundbreaking, but no, oh, yeah. it's pretty wild. And and I mean, it, well, it, it is. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna like say my spiel about how like this deck works really well in a bunch of ways because generally like Luris and Urza Saga are like peanut butter and jelly just like uh, uh, Luris and Urza Saga are in pursuit of like really similar goals and Luris is telling you like hey keep your curve low and then that makes it okay to sacrifice lands and also like use your extra mana on Luris or the Saga after you've played all of your spells and so this is a very good Luris Saga deck where the goals of the two cards mesh really nicely. Also, just those two cards are really, really good, and it's nice to play both of them in modern. So that that's one of yeah. the reasons to play this deck. Yeah, I, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. Like part of the appeal of Hammer in the first place is it's probably just the best Luris deck. Mm -hmm. it, I, I agree it is the best Luris deck, both because like providing a redundant piece of whatever piece that they blow up, and then also the play pattern I described earlier where they just pass and then you just add Luris and then they just it's like it's, oh, yeah, that's so good to me Luris is just a it adds a dimension to your deck that it doesn't for other decks like most other Luris decks are just all right i'm just gonna keep grinding forever now yeah. whereas this deck lets you do that like Luris lets you do that in this deck and it's a combo enabler mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it's it's everything it's everything you want yeah i am so i i do want to just sort of very briefly mention or else like we'll never get to it because you know next couple of episodes where we talk about previews and stuff but i do want to mention the reclaimer builds of the like mid-range saga decks and uh how bummed i am because i have i've spent like months just like as i'm going to sleep like thinking about playing elvish reclaimer in modern with like urza saga but i always like my like daydream deck building always takes a weird route where i'm just like but can we play like knight of the reliquary but then we can't play luris which you really want to play with urza saga and then i just like fall asleep without like making the and it's it's mostly you have that same conversation every night basically i i have thought about this like way more than it is like reasonable for like i don't even like like knight of the reliquary i just love uh elvish reclaimer but 
I'm so far removed from like the concept of playing Jund in modern that I never thought about like Dragon's Rage Channeler is kind of medium in these Jund decks. Why don't you just play Elvish Reclaimer in those decks instead? I think I actually got tripped up on like I really want to play it with flagstones, but you just, you know, not, not really necessary. So kudos to uh, the folks working on the yeah. Elvish Reclaimer version of that deck. Yeah, I don't know who, who started that exactly, but it, I mean, that is like a huge upgrade to Dragon Rage Channeler, I think. Like, like it's actually insane because, like, I, I had a I had some problems with the Dragon Race Chandler build before where it's like, it, it felt like counterintuitive, not, maybe not counterintuitive, but like disjointed, I guess is maybe a better word, where it's like, what you want to be doing is do you want to play a long game, do you want to play a short game? And like, it kind of let you, like Dragon Race Chandler like explicitly wants to play like a pretty short game where you're just like, kill your guys, keep our total resources low, I just have this and I'll attack you five times and I'm going to only draw spells and you're going to flood out a little more than me because I've been surveilling every, mm -hmm. every turn for the whole game. Uh, and like that was kind of at odds with like, trying to, play with uh i'm trying to play like really grindy cards like torok and, and like trying to go super late in the game and stuff like that uh and so and like reclaimer uh is actually sick because they usually kill it on turn one which they don't have to but like if you know it is a threat because like you can get saga and like that's a good grindy tool right uh and then also if you draw it on turn eight or nine yeah not bad yeah Gets to saga. <laughs> Which is the thing that you want all the time at that yeah. point in the game. I think it was mm -hmm. uh, Jesse uh, who like had the first 5-0 list with it, and then people started gotcha, copying yeah. hers. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. I was very, very psyched to see that development because I think it's just it's really smart. Yeah. So I do want to ask you a little bit about sideboarding philosophy with this deck. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what are your favorite sideboard cards uh, what are sideboard cards you kind of like slot in depending on what's going on in the meta and then also just sort of like how do you generally board is this like a, a don't board very many cards kind of linear deck or can you modify your deck more in certain matchups like what's what's kind of the the way that sideboarding shapes out with this deck yeah uh i definitely don't board in more than like maybe like five or maybe six cards at most in like any given matchup it's kind of cool because like your your core doesn't take up that many slots. Like it's four cigars, eight four cloths, hammer four pierce steel, four stone, four four saga, mm -hmm. and like everything else is like not like critical. I mean, you want Esper Sentinel against almost everybody, but like you can board out against like Yawgmoth, Amulet, whatever. And then uh, you can you can cut zeros or the like, and just like it was with Affinity. I mean, you you would cut uh, zeros a lot, and when the games were going to go longer, you didn't need to like explode and have a bunch of permanents on turn one or or whatever. So like those are sort of the first things to go. You can trim on drum uh, if you're cutting zeros. Drum loses some value. And then, like, if I'm, like, boarding in, like, Sanctifiers and stuff, uh, Core Footer plays pretty bad into, like, red removal and stuff. Like, it's, like, because Sorcery Speed, two mana on your main phase. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just kind of asking to not really accomplish anything. Which, and, and you know, it's fine. But, like, if you're boarding a Sanctifier, you're kind of raising your curve, and Core Footer's kind of medium against those decks anyway, then maybe you want to consider trimming there. Uh, I, I, like, never board out Stoneforge Mystic. I think I maybe tried boarding out one or two against Mill once because, like, it's like kind of awkward and like they're sort of playing your hammers, but I think that was just stupid. And then you <laughs> just have all your Stoneforge Mystics. It's a huge, huge part of the the deck. I never cut any equippers. I don't cut hammer like ever. Um, what other cards are in the deck? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's, that is about, not like, the common kind of right? like, school of there's, sideboarding. There's, very, there's like a Shadow Spear, Cranial Plating. I think yeah, yeah. You, you brought the plating if, if the games aren't going to get like kind of scrappy. 
what what is the the Collins Mullen school of cyber? Oh, this this became a meme, <laughs> a, a like small you know contained friend group meme at some point. But basically, anytime Collins was playing a deck that was like named after a specific card, uh, a major part of his sideboarding strategy would include like boarding out that card in a bunch of matchups. Uh, so like the original version of this was like uh, collected company and standard, where the sideboarding strategy for it was like in all of the mirrors you take out your collected companies because you're bringing in counter magic and non-creature stuff and the count the the, the collected companies actually mm-hmm. just weren't good you would much rather have none and your opponent have them and you answer them and so the the coco less coco sideboard plan mm-hmm. uh at that's legit playing hour of promise into uh team or energy his sideboard strategy included boarding out all of the hour of promises because they would get negated and boarding in oblivion sowers and that happened with like like four or five different decks where it was named after a card and one of the main sideboarding strategies was taking out the best card in the deck because people were targeting I mean, that, it. That that's legit though. That's actually like that's super smart, but I, I don't think that like with hammer right now. you can you're really no. afforded that luxury to <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that that is legit though. Like in like there, I I have boarded out ad nauseum and ad nauseum before, mm-hmm. just and become an inferno or grave titan deck. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen. You that. know, uh, you got to do what you got to do in the middle of managing your ad nauseum. <laughs> though, to you be know fair, what I'm saying? Like, though to be fair, I don't know if you can cons- con- <laughs> describe any card in the ad nauseum deck as the best card in ad nauseum. <laughs> that is fair. They're all really bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you could describe any card in ad nauseum as the best, it would be. Ad nauseum. Yeah, I mean, it's the one that you win the most when you draw it, I guess. But yeah, like, because you really, you want ad nauseum every single game. But I mean, that deck is like dead, right? It literally doesn't even play ad nauseum anymore. It's like a spoils Oracle, Angel's Grace. They usually, I think they play one ad nauseum for like nostalgia value. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, because it's, yeah, okay. Because it's like uh, kind of, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't thought about ad nauseum since. It doesn't matter. No one plays it to, until yeah, someone wins a challenge or top eights a challenge with it like every yeah. three months or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, ah! At, at maybe s- Ad Nauseum is still good! At some point the format will be like 80% Solitude Ephemerates and then you just play Ad Nauseum and get people and, and you know, that'll be the weekend for it. Yeah, I mean, that deck, I mean, there's no way that deck loses to Blank, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, yeah, and so Blank is, uh, maybe that's what I should play to the Nerd Age thing, man, that was just infested with Blank. I should just play Ad Nauseum, I guess. Maybe. I, I mean, Ugh. you lose to yourself, you know, a decent amount of your, like, That's true, lose yeah. percentage is just the deck giving you up. Oh, yeah, just, just drew the third angel's grace, I guess I'm dead. Oh, look, my well, cards are another turn. In, in my three turns. doesn't really work. Let's see how this one rolls. Whoops. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking up an ad nauseum deck list because I want to see it's so far down on the, on the <laughs> Yeah. But it's, I don't even see it. I'm like 10 rows deep. I, I have a list in my here? head. It's just uh, the suspend tutor that it's demonic tutor. It's suspend infernal tutor. Yeah, right? I don't. I don't have no idea what it's called. Infernal tutor is the legacy one where you're helping, right? You're right. Uh, profane. Profane. Yeah, and then yeah, just fourth yep. Osses oracle, and then the normal ad nauseum nonsense. Sure. Yeah, that's legit. I confuse infernal tutor with yeah. This. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Every every time they make a version of Demonic Tutor, somehow it, it sees play somewhere. Who, you know, Who could have guessed? In- incredible. <sighs> anyway, sideboard cards that you do play, because you can't just cut all these cards and not put anything in. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think Sanctifier is really good. I think it's like the best card against like basically like Grixis and Murktide and Burn and just like and Red Black and, and really anybody who's just showing up to fight fair most of the time, except it's not good against like Blink or whatever, uh, which is fine. 
Uh, defense Crit is okay. I don't normally play it if you're playing Thoughtseize because I think it's like good against Force of Vigor Solitude. It's really good against Murktide and Blue White. Like it is pretty hard for them to be. I mean, Blue White has Prismatic Ending, but it's not like that's like a horrible exchange for you. Like you play Defense Crit, traded for Prismatic Ending. Right. They end up tapped out, so that's kind of the same as having a Defense Crit in play, right? So kind of, yeah. But yeah, it's like it's just not that not that bad. And if it is in play, it's so hard for them to function. Like a three mana Solitude is a lot more is a lot easier to work around than. Mm-hmm zero plus an ephemerate uh and you basically can't play solitude plus ephemerate because that's seven um which is not really reasonable you you can play like one graveyard thing to search for off urza saga if you want to i don't even have a nile spell bomb or a soul guide lantern or a relic or whichever one you like the most if you're playing black i think you should pretty clearly play the spell bomb because it can kind of play all the angles where it is both free to activate and then it also draws you a card and stuff uh it costs a mana to play on like tormod's crypt but I think the upside of being able to draw a card and like Returning it with Luris and the fair matchups and and getting up a card instead of just yeah hi I made it harder for you to get delirium this turn again like <laughs> is not actually a big deal but if you're on tapping with Luris it's not a big deal it's, you basically win anyway so uh, yeah I think Niles Wolven is like the best of those you should play a needle for sure needle's really good it's like your best countermeasure to engineer explosives which is another one of the best cards against you um, and you can play some paths for the mirror. Uh, Seal of Cleansing is really good uh, in the mirror. I think Seal of Cleansing is like the best card in the mirror because the mirrors kind of devolve into like I'm Seal of Cleansing your thing and I have Luris and the game slowed down and stuff and being able to like front load your mana on that so you can then tap out for Luris on three also matters a ton. Um, so do you favor Seal of Cleansing over uh, Cathar Commando? Yeah, uh, so I played uh, I've played Cathar Commando before. I played it a lot more when Blue White was better because. You kind of wanted like an answer to Chalice, even though Chalice isn't that good against you. I mean, Chalice is good against you, but it's not like a nightmare or whatever. You kind of wanted your disenchant to be able to, you kind of want to bring disenchant against, uh, against Blue White, but uh, they didn't always draw their Chalice, and so like you know, like a random three one is like pretty reasonable. And but Blue White is kind of uh, dying off, and the Chalice numbers are way lower. Like Chalice is not super popular. I haven't been Chalice in quite a while and had it actually be good. And, like, you can beat Chalice. It's not that hard to beat. Like, if you just draw a Saga, you just make two five fives or whatever. It's, like, you're, you're doing fine. You can act, you can get the hammer with that. You can activate Stoneforge Mystic. Like, there, there's plenty of uh, of angles around Chalice to begin with. Um, it's, like, that's kind of the, the tension between those two cards. And I think Seal Flimsing is so much better in the mirror. And it's also good against Amulet for whatever... It's much better against Amulet for whatever amount you value that. Uh, I think Seal Flimsing is, is, is on the whole better for the time being. But if you, you were playing against a lot of like these random chalice decks that don't have that many other artifacts and enchantments, then Cathar Commando is, is pretty pretty good too. So cool. Do you board and seal cleansing as amulet? Yeah, absolutely. They have uh, it, for it, dryad, if you, mostly? uh or yeah for dryad, for amulet and for saga, uh mm-hmm. it's all uh all of that is, is totally reasonable to tag. Um and like their titans with a dryad are like yeah, you can beat a titan with an amulet a lot of time. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but like if you get like so I think dryad dryad is one of their best angles and like like their Titan, either if it comes into play and that's it, like they don't have an amulet or a dryad, it's not hard to beat. Like they just get Simic and T West, and, and if it's off Summoner's Pack, it's really easy to beat because it's like, what are you, gonna, what are you gonna <laughs> yeah. do? With, like, yeah, like Summoner's Pack for Titan, play Titan. Like you're like two turns off of actually accomplishing something, and you're like one turn off of actually accomplishing something without Summoner's Pack and just normal Titan. And so like being able to fight over that stuff is, is pretty good, I think. But yeah, that's why I like Seal of Cleansing uh, for the time being, I guess. And then you can play Torpor too, even though know, it's kind of awkward with Stoneforge Mystic, because it's like your best card against the Ephemerate decks. I don't board it against like just Blue White, just for Solitude. Don't do that. It's not good. But it is good against, you know, the Yorion, Ephemerate, Eternal Witness, Ice Fang Quaddle, Fury, Solitude, all that stuff. Like they really need creatures on the battlefield, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's basically the 
Yeah, that's most of the cards that you play. You play Prismatic Ending. If you're looking for something more versatile, I think Path is overall better in the mirror just because, like, it's pretty rare that you can actually respect it because it's so threatening what your opponent can do on their next turn. You just kind of need to jam now. And so, like, you get, you end up in the spot where Path is worth, like, a lot of cards. It's really valuable. But I think Prismatic Ending, that's also good against Murktide Regent, which Prismatic Ending doesn't kill. Um, but Prismatic Ending is better against, like, a Goblin Guide or whatever if you wanted to board it in against Burn, which you could because uh, Turn 1 Creature plus a bunch of shit Smash Smithereens is how they beat you most easily with it or they hold a palm or whatever but if they don't have a creature you're not under that much pressure because they can't really use their spells because if they target you they run out of spells to target your guys and if they use their mana you're also threatening an instant speed 10 10 which they can't beat and so yeah yeah i guess that's sure basically what i think of all like the stock cyber perks have you tried void mirror i see that every now and then from hammer decks Oh, yeah. You, you play Void Mirror, and you can play, like, Dranith Magistrate. I think I generally prefer Dranith Magistrate for the Cascade decks, just because they, uh, by their deck-building restriction, they kind of have to play, like, all two damage stuff. So it's a 1-3, so, like, it dodges that, which is nice. And then all the Cascade decks, like, Living in and Rhinos and stuff, like the Light of Harper's Mark Command or Force of Vigor or, or whatever. Right, they actively that, want or, or to foundation bring breaker. Disenchance against you anyways. So, like, yeah. like that that's a main thing uh, just generally in Modern, like... Yep. The Living End deck and, and the other Cascade decks, if you are an artifact slash enchantment deck, then you don't want your hate card to be an artifact or an enchantment against them because you don't want them to be absolutely delighted to bring in like four Force of Vigor and two Foundation Breakers or something like that. Like you want to yeah. make them have to diversify their answers. Yeah. Voidmere does kind of mess with Force of Vigor, which is cool because like they have, to, they have to pay four. Mm -hmm. But I mean... It's, again, with the thing where if you spend two mana doing nothing, it's a lot easier for them to then justify later spending four mana yep, exactly. over spending zero. Like, if, if you started with Leyline of Voidmere in play, it'd be great, like, right. even if it was an artifact. But, like, you have to take a turn off to do it. And so that, that matters a ton, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. We haven't... I mean, we, we've touched on it in different spots just because it's, it's impossible not to just sort of talk about playing the deck while we're talking about the deck. But... I don't know what's the best way to ask this or what what's the most interesting stuff to talk about, but if you have any tips on playing with the deck and then like tips on playing against the deck, you know, what what play patterns, what techniques have people used against you that have been particularly effective? I just, you know, anything interesting that's come up, I'm I'm super interested in. Yeah, uh so there's like a lot and I definitely won't be able to go over like everything, obviously, because that's not really possible. Right. <laughs> I don't know everything. So like but I will say like the most important thing, like against hammer, uh you have to you use your mana, like Every turn, you have to cast a spell. But also, you'd need to be ready, because if they go for it, you need to have backup on the next turn. But also, if you're representing it, maybe they don't even go for it. Because, like, how many people are going to go for their hammer, their only hammer thing, into four mana, five cards, and under no pressure? Not many. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you use your... Like, you, you really, really have to use your mana. Like, I really got to stress that. Like, I know it's... I'm beating a dead horse, but, like... Hammer will be able to build to this big turn where they're just going to, like, one mana spell, one mana spell, one mana spell, and you're, like, looking at your Terminates and your Polygons commands, your Trinal Locks, and you're like... Can't keep up with this, what? yeah. Like, and I, I said this near the beginning, like, people just die with cards in their hand all the time. Like, it's so rare that you cast all your spells and you lose to Hammer. And it's not that rare because, like, they could just, like, have Saga or whatever. Like, most fair decks have, like, Iteration, Polygons Command, or, like, Eternal Witness Ephemerate stuff going on. And like if you cast if you have time to cast all that stuff and deploy it all, then you're probably gonna win. So you need you need to put a priority when you're thinking about building your deck, how you're how the games are gonna play out, keeping and mulliganing hands, like, do I do anything between now and turn four? Like, no. Oh, I just do nothing and I sit on my resources. Oh, so they're just gonna like 
I'm just gonna sit on my, my fatal potions and lightning bolts. Okay, well they're just gonna play Esper Sentinel. Then they're gonna play Stoneforge Mystic, which I could kill or not kill. It doesn't really matter if I kill it. That's the great part about Stoneforge Mystic mm-hmm. in that deck. Uh, and then they're gonna add Luris, and there's a Saga in play maybe, and it's like, what am I gonna do? Like, there's no good spot for you to trade off because they're gonna be able to do all their stuff at once. Like, they get so much control over over when the fight is. Uh, so, and if you're playing Hammer, don't like don't just jam into open mana. Like it, it is very often gonna get better for you, even though historically with like decks like this, like these little white aggro decks, like it gets worse for you the longer you wait to do stuff. But with Luris, with Saga, it often gets better for you, like a lot better for you if you just, just chill. Yeah. <laughs> like don't, uh, don't just jam into into two or three mana. They probably have like the bolt or the push or whatever. Sometimes you have to, like if you're under pressure and it is getting worse for you. Like every turn they're hitting you with Ragavan or they're hitting you with Dragon Channeler or. They have a Luris in play. You, you got to jam if they have Luris in play because they're going to draw an extra card every turn. There are spots for you to jam. But it, if the board is at parity, it, it's probably getting better for you. If you're hitting your land drops, you're, you have Saga in your hand or whatever, you have Lur- you play Luris in your sideboard to add to your hand, Like it's probably improving for you. So like, don't necessarily jam. And also be cognizant of like what they think that you could have and try to make it so... They think you have either the nuts or like a realistic hand. Like, try to make sure you're representing hammer when you can, because it means that they can't necessarily do stuff. Like, if you're against burn and you have Sigarda's aid and a, and two creatures in play and no hammer in hand, if you have one mana on your end on your turn, uh, you could like play a Springleaf drum that doesn't really matter, or you could not, and then don't get to cast a burn spell on your end of turn because if they cast a Boros drum on your end of turn, then there could just be a hammer in play. You know what I mean? Like. And so you kind of strain the cards in their hand that way um, by just... I, I don't know if it's, like, bluffing. It probably is bluffing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just, like... It, it is bluffing, but it's, like, a, a tempo positive, right? You're, you're not giving up anything to do it. Yeah, you're, you're like... Yeah. It, it, there are spots where you can, like, actually bluff, but, like, if you're, like... If it's, like, another friendly drummer or whatever, then it's, like... Just, like... And, you know... And also, in paper, like, kind of... Just, like, posture, like, you have it. Like, don't just be, like... Go like well, unless you do have it, then you do pretend you don't have it. It's kind of like make them think that you have the the opposite of whatever you have, I guess. But obviously, that's all like kind of that's kind of scuffed and hard to do. And it's like every everyone it's kind has of their a, own style and paper. Yeah, it's too. like they're their own way. But you know, it, it does matter a lot. Like because they think they don't, you don't have it. Like and, and that's the thing. Like paper, like people like tell you what they have, man. Like that, like it's crazy. Uh, don't tell don't tell them what you have with Amber because it's really bad if they can pick up on you or whatever like they think they know if you have it or not it could be really, really bad <laughs> uh, you, you you got kind of like a thousand yard stare there I, I feel like you were thinking of some games where you got red and got destroyed or something like that <laughs> I can't think of any but like I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that there have been like it probably, it probably has happened. Yeah, yeah or they just guessed know. right is all that, that you know. Or they or they just guessed right or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's not as sometimes it's not as complicated as like you know, managed players like to make it out to be a lot more complicated than it is pretty frequently. But it See, is something to be aware of, I guess. The thing is, every time it's a 50-50 and you guess right, you just tell your opponent that you knew the whole time. So I just knew the whole time, <laughs> yeah. man. It was just so obvious. Yeah. Like you, you really got to work on that, buddy. You say as you like move <laughs> cards from your main deck back to your sideboard. Like, sorry, you just you just gave it all away. So, I, I mean, like, a couple of things that I think that I, I've kind of picked up on from, from you talking here, and, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong. So, the 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 point that you're making 
when you're playing against Hammer, you got to be doing stuff. You got to be putting pressure on the board because if you're at parity, like Hammer is just going to draw into a spot that is bad for you because their cards are very efficient and they can kill you by winning a single turns like stack exchange, basically. So what that tells me is the like one of the main reasons why we keep going back to solitude and force of vigor as such powerful cards in the matchup because you can play your tarmogoy for your what your whatever your threat is uh you can put that stuff onto the table you can tap out turn two for a renin six if you in your hand have free answers to your opponent killing you with a creature with hammer on it so that seems really good yeah exactly so the free card that's why the free cards are kind of the the best cards that you can play against hammer mm-hmm. you know what i mean and force of vigor and solitude are the best free cards i mean you can play like gut shot or slaughter pact or whatever but those are like, way, <laughs> way worse, worse. <laughs> like yeah. yeah like i quit my stoneforge mystic look at my gut shot oh yeah this is it <laughs> yeah i mean gut shot is obviously like i mean i don't know if i had it in my deck i would probably have it against hammer but like, yeah why would you play gut shot like <laughs> the, the printing of lava fury at sorcery speed than play gut shot I, I mean, speaking of Fury, there was a time when, you know, Hammer was good and the Elementals had just been printed and a thing was like, oh man, Fury is so good against Hammer. I'm not sure how true that is anymore. It's just because Hammer players are generally much better at playing against Fury than they were when it had just come out. But what's your feeling on playing against Fury decks? It's pretty rare that I lose to Fury, like like that my whole draw gets blown up by fury like normally you can pace stuff in a way mm-hmm. like always be aware if they reveal kahira you just have to be aware like how many like from turn from turn one obviously if they lead like celestial colony go then stop thinking about fury it's not <laughs> gonna do anything but like if they reveal kahira or if they're playing against a fury deck then just like always have in your mind like how many creatures does fury get right now okay it gets it gets two it gets my ornithopter and my memnite that's fine or i could maybe i need the ornithopter in place so i'll only play the ornithopter hold the memnite because that one gets rend uh, so like maybe keep that one back because if I play the Memnite out, it gets Ren. Then I play the Ornithopter. That's worse for me than if I can maybe find a spot for the Memnite later or something like that. The the times I lose to Fury the most, one time stands out to me in my mind for sure. So like you know, the, there's like one draw that Hammer can have that's really good is like turn one Saga, Springleaf Drum, zero drop, play a one mana spell. Like that's insane because you're turning to activate Saga on turn two, turn three, you're gonna put a Hammer on something, and there's two constructs in play. So they're under a ton of pressure to have a bunch of answers immediately. One time I did that against No Companion, and they furied my creatures. I could not activate my Springleaf Drum. Uh, there were Rhinos. Uh, and it's like, that. that is, like, the, the best Fury has ever been against me, is that exact moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, you know, I, I don't regret making that play or whatever, but, like, it has its moments where it's good. And it's never going to be bad. Like, it's, And putting it in play, uh, if you have Ephemerate in your deck, then threatening that at instant speed is also quite quite powerful. And doing it again with the Ephemerate is... yeah. I guess that's true. Having it in play and just having the one mana pyrokinesis is is like a huge threat. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying like Fury's like bad, but like if you're like it's pretty rare to actually lose to Fury. I guess uh, Draw, drawing Fury is not like the solution to the hammer deck in any way. Like, yeah, like you can no, it's like oh, I drew it, Fury. But... How did I lose? Right. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not a big deal. Like you're trading off cards uh, and you're trading usually up on mana for the Fury players. Like it, it's good. It's like, it's not like a bad exchange for you. It's Fury, but I don't know. It, I've, it's pretty rare. To, that, that's like the card that I'm most concerned with or whatever. Sure. Unlike elves or Yogmoth or whatever, who I'm sure just never, ever, ever beat a Fury in a million years. Well, or humans. I put it against humans with, I was actually playing Blink in a 
in a thing and uh, put against humans. And oh. Fury was very good against them. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, a fantastical image, eh? Okay, friend. Whatever oh you want. It even, oh. like, clears the meddling mage out of the way. Like, Yep, just it, all of so, it. Uh, it's it's so good. <laughs> so good against any, any, like, any creature deck like that that, like, sort of relies on all the individual pieces. Yeah. That's why they don't typically see much play anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. There's a good reason for that. They made sure to print Lava Dart and Plague Engineer and Fury and Brennan Six, so you just aren't allowed to play with creatures. Plague Engineer doesn't even see play because nobody can play the creatures anyway. Right. <laughs> this, like, this thing is outmoded. I'm not paying three mana for this effect. Yeah, why? Why would you? I mean, nobody even plays X ones. Um, I have found generally that if I am aiming like one for one or two for two in the case of force of vigor uh exchanges at my hammer opponent i've generally found and i mean like a little bit of a mix is is good but i've generally found disenchanting to be much more powerful than removal spells yeah so just a thing to keep because you know getting the hammer means that the creatures don't hit you very hard getting the urza saga is helpful because that's their b plan and so your your disenchants are generally just a lot more versatile than kill the body that the hammer is targeting 100 percent, yeah like i think disenchant is like a better card against hammer specifically than like terminate or whatever mm -hmm. like it's gonna kill almost all the same stuff and then like it also can kill saga and it's like if it's a stoneforge mystic that a hammer's on yeah disenchant that it's like pretty much just luris like yes yeah, you you like also have to measure your removal against all right if if i use this and they luris me how am i dealing with the luris like you, you always have to have something back up which is why drowning the lock is yeah. so good yeah. yeah, yeah. Using using a removal spell on the Esper Sentinel, and then a couple turns later they cast Luris and recast the Esper Sentinel. It feels like really, really bad. Yeah. I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? Any interesting games? Any thoughts on Hammer generally going forward? Like what you know? I I know you were talking about like hey, there's a lot of these Solitude Ephemerate decks online. I don't know what Hammer's place is going to be. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that going forward? Yeah, I guess like uh, I. I think I gotta put down hammer for moto stuff for at least a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, the blink deck is—it's so popular. Like, I don't know—I don't know like percentages that like, nobody really does the data, uh, the data things like they do for like legacy and stuff in modern because it's so big. I'm surprised that literally nobody ever does it because like you could just stay in an event and then do it. And but yeah, like blink it, it does really well, so people are gonna keep playing it, and it's also really popular. And it—it's so hard to win. Like, it's your worst matchup. It's—it's it's, like maybe. It's about sixty percent, I'd say, maybe like a little north of that for Blink, but it's it, it it is bad. It's not like you know you can never ever win, but uh, I think there's too much of that. And then I think people also are kind of good at playing this hammer now. Like a lot of my opponents online are like just throwing straight up a lot less, you know. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're like you know playing well or reasonably well from what I can see. And like Grisha Shadow is not a good matchup, uh, and like. The Mercy matchup is good, but, like, people know what they're doing, and so it's not as good as it used to be when people were just, like... I mean, I remember over the summer when when Hammer, like, came out, like, people would literally bolt my Stoneforge Mystic on, like, turn one or on their turn one or whatever. I'm like, this, okay. the, I still have a Hammer in I, my hand. I was it doesn't, it doesn't, cast it doesn't this, matter. You, so. you need to save that for the fight, you know? You, that's, that's how this... Oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I was um, never planning on yeah. activating the Stoneforge Mystic, so yeah, it did not matter. It was literally just a one-two. Like <laughs> you want to save that for the anyway, uh, and then like Yogmoth is fine. Living it shows up. Amulet shows up. It's just a, it's a lot of uh, mm -hmm. 
people are people are ready and it's fine like i mean affinity was a really good deck in modern you know five or six years ago and that's like an analog i keep trying i think they're pretty similar decks different obviously in plenty of ways but uh like there are weekends where like it's never gonna be that bad to register hammer but i i think that personally i might just play shadow or blink or something just because i think it's i think that those decks might just be a better choice for like a given tournament but like if you're somebody who's not like necessarily preparing for an event or whatever then uh just hammer at every tournament you play always <laughs> is totally fine i think and are you you're generally going to just keep sticking with hammer and paper is that oh yeah oh and, and paper for sure mm-hmm. uh i mean people like i said i mean it's just a huge lack of experience partially because of covid i mean mostly because of covid but also because hammer is so hard to play against and you know paper players generally are going to be playing less well than they would online um, or than the people than people you would face online and stuff. So just like a lot of factors. And for, for, for anybody who's going to like, there's no reason to get offended by that. The people that you play against, like there's 125 modern players online that play all of the tournaments and you know, it, it it's 125 really good players. And that's basically, yeah, basically. most of the, yeah. the moto modern scene. I, yeah, I'm not trying to insult anybody or anything like that. I'm just saying like the, the quality of play in a Magic Online PTQ is going to be much higher than at like a, a local cash tournament or something. You and know and I mean? just it's generally, just... like some people play on Moto all day in and day out and just don't have, <laughs> yeah. don't have a paper scene like at all. So that's yeah. like how they yeah, play exactly. Magic all the time. <laughs> right, and like Moto is one of the easiest, it's much easier to get better on Magic Online than it is in paper because you can play so much and you can play whenever you want and uh, you're playing against just anyone instead of just like your group of friends who kind of are building with each other, like you're learning from all these people. Uh, and so like, there's like a bunch of factors to that, but yeah, sure. I definitely did not mean to insult anybody. I hope that didn't. No, no. Out. And I, I don't, I, I certainly didn't take it that way, but I just like, it, it's worth reiterating every once in a while, just like yeah. what the difference is. For sure. Yeah. There's a million things that we could talk about because, you know, but yeah. we're not going to like go over what, you know, every single matchup with the deck <laughs> or anything like that. That's, no, yeah. this is not the, the place for that. But I know that you have some, you know, written hammer content and, and stuff like that, that you came out with. So yeah. if people want more information about this deck, where can they find that? I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm uh, Will underscore underscore Kruger because somebody else's Will underscore Kruger. Uh, <laughs> spell Kruger K-R-U-E-G-E-R. Uh, I uh, post some stuff about Hammer on there sometimes. Uh, like I posted, like just like a quick uh, thing I wrote in like 45 minutes or whatever a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just about like playing it. And then I wrote something in July. Uh, like it was actually right before, it was good timing. It was like right before I won the Mana Traders thing and I got to replug it after. Like, hey, I just won Mana Traders. <laughs> also, you could have known this if you had checked this out <laughs> like eight days ago or whatever, nine days ago or whatever it was. I don't have like a Patreon or anything like that. It's not really... I don't know, maybe in the future, but like right now, it's not really my. I'm I'm in, I'm in school. I'm a political science student. I'm trying to figure out grad school and stuff. Yeah. So like figuring out how to optimize magic uh, money is not really my number one priority. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. And then I, I guess I stream on Twitch like very occasionally. Uh, just uh, the X whale is the just the letter X and then the word whale. I guess is uh... cool. But not the NFT though. <laughs> no, like not, the animal. The one. But they they probably don't have a Twitch channel, so you know. Probably not. Probably not. It's not X Whale. That, that is mine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, definitely toss Will a follow on Twitter at Will underscore Kruger, as he said. Underscore underscore Kruger. 
It's true. There are two underscores. Oh, underscore, underscore Kruger. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Everyone <laughs> listening to this will just remember now, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you can't forget after that one. But yeah, thanks so much for being on. We do. We really, really appreciate yeah, this. This was super fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had fun. Cool. Thank you. Good. If y'all want to find us online, uh, we are on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. Yeah, I am at Lee McCleo because someone else had Lee McLeod. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> Nobody else had CCR underscore Grindcast. Imagine that. It's crazy. Weird. <laughs> Somebody does... It's so lucky. Have CCR and it's not Credence Clearwater Revival, and they haven't tweeted in like two years, but they're verified. So I'm never going to get that <laughs> at. So, <sighs> oh well. If you want to lend us some support, uh, head over to patreon.com/slash MTG Grindcast. We do, you know, we pay our guests, and any help that you give us will help us, you know, get guests like Will, like Connor last week. And I think that. This is a really exciting way to help us maintain high quality, spiky content, even when Lee and I are not in the trenches quite as much as some of the people that we know. So it's it's nice to be able to bring bring people like Will to you. So again, Will, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun just kind of uh, chatting modern and hammer and all that, all that good stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the last thing you wrote. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I appreciate that. Yeah, I hope it was helpful, and a lot of people told me it was helpful, which which felt good. So that was that was nice. You know, it's nothing like groundbreaking. It's just like some like tips and tricks and all all that, all that jazz. But, Honestly, uh, people write about magic in depth so rarely. Like articles are good that you read on sites, but it's not usually like in depth. I play this deck in and out, all that sort of thing, very much. Yeah. So yeah. I find people just really like just a player putting words on paper. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hope that that was. Uh, I thought it was pretty useful. A lot of people thought they thought it was useful as well. So. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. We really appreciate your time. Uh, we will be back next week, uh, probably without a guest for this one, but we will be on the hunt for future experts to bring to you uh, to provide this type of content. So thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Bye. Bye.